It just doesn't feel like Easter. I would be a little surprised if you weren't saying something like that to yourself or to your loved ones today. In our community, we come from lots of different cultures and backgrounds and traditions, so Easter likely means some different things to each of us. Different foods, different decorations, different rituals, different songs. We each have sights and smells and sounds that we associate with this day, but I would wager that none of them line up very well with this particular Easter. I know of no tradition where this Sunday is a day to stay inside, to stay separate from the community, to sing all by yourself in your room, to pray in front of a screen. My personal tradition on Easter is certainly not to preach to a captive audience of four and a video camera. But we're glad you're here, captive audience. And <laughs> I passed by the playground at the edge of the old town this weekend, the one in the park overlooking the city with the really, really long bench. And like many playgrounds in town, there's security tape all around it, a signal that this isn't a place for playing right now. It's one more place for germs to congregate, so children should stay away. And just to make the point extra clear, the swings themselves are wrapped tightly around the bar at the top, so nobody could reach them. Even though we've been in this reality for a few weeks already, it still feels surreal. And Easter isn't supposed to look like this. It isn't supposed to look like empty streets and empty church buildings and empty playgrounds with the swings wrapped around the bar. It isn't supposed to look like full hospitals and full lists of people we are worried about. It isn't supposed to look like anxiety and uncertainty and grief. That's Good Friday and Holy Saturday stuff. This is Easter, and it isn't supposed to look like this. Nothing's gonna change my feeling about that this year. I am not making my peace with the pandemic and the suffering it's causing for so many, here around us and all over the world. But there is something that helps me in remembering that the way the Gospels tell it, the first Easter didn't look very much like Easter either at least not the way we've come to celebrate it. The prevailing moods in the resurrection story from the Gospel of John, after all, are not exuberance and certain joy, but grief and confusion and wonder. Mary Magdalene is the central character in this telling of the story, and she exhibits all three. Grief is, of course, where the story begins for her, she comes to the tomb early in the morning with the memory of the crucifixion fresh in her mind, the experience of seeing her teacher and friend's life taken in that violent and humiliating way. John tells us she was there at the cross, along with other women close to Jesus, and she's come to his place of burial now to continue her mourning. Peter and John make that quick appearance after their foot race, but she is soon left alone again with her grief weeping as the daylight comes. Confusion sets in early as well. When Mary finds the stone rolled away and the tomb empty inside, she doesn't immediately see this as some sort of definitive sign that Jesus has been raised. That possibility doesn't even seem to occur to her in the moment. Instead, the empty tomb is cause for panic, for running and telling others that something is terribly wrong, 
Where's the body? Who could have taken it? What has happened here? The two figures in white who mysteriously show up in the tomb don't exactly clear everything up for Mary. And that man standing outside, well, who could he be? Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him. The story never really gets to clarity. I think wonder is much closer. Yes, Mary finally recognizes Jesus when he speaks her name, but of course things are different now. She can't embrace Jesus for long. She can't hold on to him in the way that she once could. She can't sit and talk with him for hours. Almost as soon as he appears, he's gone again, and Mary's left with that wonder-filled first pronouncement of Easter. It's not a fully worked out theology of resurrection, but honest words of what she has experienced. I have seen the Lord. Grief and confusion and wonder. This is not what we typically think of Easter as looking like. And in one sense, it's a pretty strange way to tell this amazing story. I mean, think about it for a moment. If John's point was to make the resurrection as convincing as possible, he could have thought up something a whole lot sturdier than this for a story. With trumpets and choirs of angels and a blast of truth that nobody around could miss. He could have included some indisputable proofs in his telling of the story. Maybe a disciple who snuck into the tomb and watched all night like a security camera and then reported exactly what happened in the dark. If the point was to make the story really convincing, then John kind of misses the boat here. But maybe that wasn't the point at all. Frederick Buechner says the gospel writers aren't aiming for describing the resurrection as convincingly as they can, but rather as truthfully as they can. It was the most extraordinary thing they believed had ever happened, he writes. And yet they tell it so quietly that you have to lean in close to be sure what they are telling. They tell it as softly as a secret, as something so precious and holy and fragile and unbelievable and true that to tell it any other way would be somehow to dishonor it. John described that experience of Easter as truthfully as he could. This is what it was really like, he says. It wasn't all trumpet fanfares and heavenly choirs and the whole of life changed in an instant. There was still room for grief and confusion and wonder. That's what it was like. Anything less would be untrue to the experience. I personally am grateful for the honesty of the Easter story this year. Because if there is room for all of that messiness of life in the biblical story, then there is room for the messiness of our lives as well. And the good news of the resurrection was true on that Easter that didn't feel like Easter, just like it is true on this one. Rowan Williams says that one way to summarize the Easter message is this. Our horizons are not God's horizons. You know what it's like when you're hiking in really hilly country and you're passing through a valley, right? You can only see as far as the next ridge. You can only see what the landscape will allow. Well, Mary may not be able to see very far at this moment. She can't see a world where the powerful don't simply get their way. She can't see a world where death is not final. 
She can't see a world where the love of Jesus is stronger than the hatred and fear of those whose authority he challenged. Mary can't see very far in this story, but her horizon is not God's. Beyond those ridges of grief and defeat and hatred and death, God is still there with a far greater story to tell. We too can't see very far at this moment. We can't see just how far this time of confinement will last. We can't see just when we'll be able to come back together for worship or when schools will reopen or when the security tape will come off the playgrounds and the swings will be there to use again. We can't see just how deeply this pandemic will affect our lives and our neighborhoods and our societies and our world. We are in a pretty deep valley at the moment. We can't see very far. But the message of Easter is that our horizons are not God's. Beyond those ridges of uncertainty and fear and even death, God is still there with a greater story to tell. That's one way to think about all those photos of church members that are showing up throughout our service today. Sure, on the one hand, it's just really nice to see all of your faces. I wish we were all here together in the sanctuary this morning. And this is sort of a substitute for that, in a way. But maybe the pictures can point to a deeper truth besides. Because where we see the walls of our apartments and houses, where we see our isolation and distance, God is still holding us together as the body of Christ, still united wherever we are. Our horizons are not God's. We are still part of that one body, still part of a much greater story than this present isolation. Friends, this Easter is a pretty strange one. There's no doubt about that. We are not used to celebrating in our homes, to singing our alleluias apart from the community. But the news of the empty tomb reminds us that beyond every ridge, every hillside, God is there, meeting us with the promise of life so full that we call it eternal. So even on this Easter that doesn't feel very much like Easter, we sing with confidence and with joy. Yours be the glory. Yours, O risen friend. You have won forever. Victory without end. The news is as true today as ever. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen. <laughs>